Brothers, welcome back for another episode of The Gentleman's Journey. We are here at the 181st convention, live from Lubbock, Texas at Xi Delta. We do thank them for being such kind hosts. I just wanted to welcome brother Harold Butch on wine with us today. So thank you for sitting down with us, Butch. Well, thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm honored to do this. So talk to me about just being at this convention. I, I know you've been to beyond several. <laughs> I, I know you've been to many. So just talk to me about what it's like to be here in Lubbock and um, here at, for these first time hosters in Xi Delta. Well, this is my first time in Lubbock, Texas. My first time in Texas in 20 something years. Um, it's not at all what I thought it would be. Mm -hmm. It's warm, uh, it's flat, <laughs> but it's pretty in its own way, and the uh, the people are beyond friendly. It's wonderful, so it's an honor to be here. I think so too, and just again, I, I want to commend what a great job Zydelta has done hosting. Their undergraduates and their alumni have been just very supportive for. It's one of the best the conventions I've been to so far, and the undergrads have done a wonderful job with uh, everything in the background. So. I think so. I think so too. And by this point, we've had you know the kickoff trust dinner last night, and, and we're just getting started. And I've said in a couple of the other episodes, I'm a, Dr. G called it the whole week in a marathon, not a sprint, because <laughs> you got to get through everything in the in the meetings, but. Glad to be here, and I'm glad you're here with us. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be here, too. And to the folks at uh, Zy Delta, Texas Tech, thank you very much. You're being a wonderful host. So just to get us started, yes, absolutely. I, I just want to echo that. And just to get us started, your alpha designation is Tall Delta, 1986, so you went to Swanee. Yep, um, University and of the South. University of the South. See, I, I, I've never gotten how the name is interchangeable because I, I've, I've never been there. You guys are in... Like very southern Tennessee, is that right? Uh, we're kind of in mid-Tennessee, halfway between okay. Chattanooga and Nashville. Um, and the little town is called Swanee. It's a village, really. And the, the university is University of the South. University of the South. And then did they say like at Swanee? Because I've heard people call it both for whatever reason. I think their new brand is to say University of the South Swanee. Okay, that or must even be. even Swanee, University of the South. I think they're emphasizing the Swanee more now. Some of our, uh, some of our brothers that are, at, uh, that are at Tall Delta have explained it to me as the middle of nowhere. Would you speak to that? Uh, it's the middle of nowhere. It's just, it sits on top of a mountain, uh, Moneagle Mountain. Mm -hmm. It sits in, I'll get this wrong, but I think it's around 10,000 square acres of farm uh, of woods, a forest. So you drive into this forest and then here's a little bitty town that has one or two gas stations and a, a eating establishment. And then all these buildings uh, built to look like Oxford University in England. <laughs> and and it's very pleasant. It's the middle of nowhere, but it's very pleasant to be there. I heard it's beautiful, honestly. I mean, it can be, it, it is. I mean, you know, it's pretty in autumn when the leaves have fallen and the trees are bare. It's pretty in the summer when all the, the trees are, you know, full. It's, it's a great place to be. And beyond your undergrad experience, you're transitioning now uh, to be the 14th executive director of Kaisai. You're succeeding uh, brother Sam Bessie, who just did an amazing job these past what 20 plus years 20 years uh, mm -hmm. there's no way I can fill his his shoes no way I can meet up to his standards uh, I thank him for his service but yes it's gonna be my job now are you excited to take over the role excited and very scared <laughs> I, th I think that's how you know it's a good like the two are a good combination so it's good to be excited but also just be on your toes Exactly. My friends who are actors uh, say if you're not nervous before you go on stage, there's something wrong. So. I think so, too. And just beyond that, you've been a, tr a trustee of the Kaisai Educational Trust, which has seen just tremendous changes in this past decade or so, and we've seen huge jumps as a fraternity. Yes, and, and mm -hmm. we're, very, we're very blessed, and we have some very good and generous donors, and uh, we've done well. 
Absolutely. And lastly, you've served two full terms on the executive council. And so you just, you've had the full circle of a Kaisa experience so far. And it's still, and it's, the thing is, it's not closed. You, you're so just far, going. it's still wide open. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I did serve with the executive council. Uh, I'm the secretary of my local Alpha Corporation for 30 years. Mm -hmm. And I'm the treasurer of the Georgia Tech Alpha Oda Delta's Educational Foundation. So. Very involved. Yes, yes. So just starting at the beginning, something we typically ask um, our guys who joined us as undergraduates is, what made you want to rush your fraternity and what specifically brought you to Kaisai? My story is probably a little different from most everyone else's. Mm -hmm. um, I went through Rush as a freshman, but didn't enjoy the experience. So I did not pledge a fraternity. Mm -hmm. uh, but then most of the, my friends, uh, uh, I mean, Swan is a very small college. Of course. Back in the day. Most of my friends that I just met and got, got involved with were Kaisai's. Mm -hmm. And so my junior year, uh, I was very surprised one day. It was not even a shake day or pledge day or anything. About 10 of them came bursting into my dorm room and said, we're here to give you a bid. And I thought, this is the strangest thing in the world. But of course I said yes immediately. Uh, they were absolutely to the man, wonderful people. Uh, they were gentlemen, they were respectful. Uh, all, the, all the fraternities at Swanee are great, but Kaisai was the best. And I will be ever grateful to those brothers of mine, friends of mine at Swanee, who brought me into the fold. Of course, and I mean, just, I think, it paints a perfect picture of what it looks like to be welcomed into the arms of brotherhood. Exactly. And so just go diving into the new member education. I know it's now called the pursuit and, and, and it was maybe adapted a little differently before, but the values have remained the same. Just tell me what that was like for you. What were the, some of the highlights of just being welcomed in over that, I guess we've now learned six to 10 week process, however long they decide to do it at Well, it was different back in those days. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm a bit older than you. You may not you have are? noticed. Yes. But, uh, it, so it was a longer process. It was fall into spring. Okay. And um, there was so much I did not know. There was so much that I didn't know that I didn't know. <laughs> and so around every corner was a new surprise, a, a very pleasant surprise. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, the things that I take for granted now about the fraternity, I, I didn't know then. And I was like, wow, this is impressive. Or I would learn something else and say, oh my, this is neat. This is cool. So uh, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it very much. And uh, the, the brothers were very good with us pledges. I was a couple years older than the other pledges, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but most of my pledge class, are, uh, we're still friends with each other. We still keep in touch. Uh, as a matter of fact, almost all my friends are Swanee Kaisai's from that era. And, um, and the pledge process was the beginning of the, the road that led me here today. We talked about the lodge just a lot. We talk about it a lot around here, and I certainly know that you know that it's not just bricks and mortar. What does the idea of the lodge mean to you in particular, and how, and how did you start to learn that as you went through your process of becoming a new member? The lodge is home. Uh, as far as the actual building goes, it's a home. It's a place that we can cherish, a place that we can come together and, and, and enjoy the spirit of brotherhood. Um, the Lodge is also more than the bricks and mortar, as you say. It's us. It's the men who are in the Lodge. Mm -hmm. uh, it's the times and the experiences we've had with him, the wonderful memories, maybe a few not so wonderful memories <laughs> as life goes along, but it's, um, it's the heart and soul of being a Kaisai. Absolutely. And I, I think one of the first things you learn when you go through this process is our preamble. 
is there a part of the preamble three sentences our three sentence preamble is there a part of it that you just resonate with um, not above all else but something that really just the words stick out to you on the page um, the whole thing does mm -hmm, absolutely uh, I think just the whole idea behind the preamble that we're forming a fraternity mm -hmm. we're going to pledge to each other our our very lives and that we're going to get to know each other and be friends with each other and be there to support each other that's what sticks out to me so it's not no one phrase or word in particular it's just the whole the, the idea behind the concept the preamble mm -hmm. is just words on a paper but the concept that it those words represent are what i take to heart it's beautifully written top to bottom and i i would say even as someone who has just joined within the last two two and a half years it's hard to understand and it'll come with time just how significant those words are that you're reading and how much you take it to heart. I think it just takes a while to grasp what it means. Well, when I pledged, as I said, I had no idea what I didn't know and, and was pleasantly surprised along the way Absolutely. to learn what fraternity meant, what Kaisai meant. Um, and I had no clue when, I init when they initiated me that this would be a lifetime journey. Mm -hmm. And the preamble represents that, represents the friendships that I formed way back then that I still have today. And it's been a wonderful journey. What is your fondest memory of the undergraduate experience for you? Is there one that sticks out in particular? Uh, just Saturday evenings at the lodge, <laughs> uh, playing music, dancing, just having a good time. One um, particular, we had an ice storm in Swanee. I was a junior, I guess, uh, and the, the power went out and everybody was cold. And I slipped and broke my ankle. And my roommate, Garland Head, God bless him was kind enough to carry me to my car, which was not an easy task, and to get a, a hammer and a screwdriver and chisel the ice off so that he could drive me down the valley to a hospital that had power. Brotherhood. It's the simple things, even though yes. that is a very interesting situation. I mean, we, we talk about it all the time. Um, I think the Cornell Fire is something that has always stood out to me and, mm -hmm. and throughout my pursuit and a lot of our new members. and. I just think, you know, while we can't say exactly what we do, we'd like to think that when the small moments come along, they matter just as much as those larger moments. Well, it's those small moments in life that make the man, I think. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you're confronted with a situation quite suddenly in, in, in the very immediate now, and your reaction tells who you are. So being out of college, just barely though, just barely being out of college right now for you, um, what advice would you go back and give your college self, if you had to. Uh, study harder, uh, <laughs> enjoy life more, don't worry about things, things will be okay. Mm -hmm. what, life is to be enjoyed, life is to have fun. You have to study, you have to work, you have to do all the responsible stuff, of course, but you just don't sweat the small stuff. Live life, enjoy yourself along the way, because your college years will end very quickly. Absolutely, they will. I'm getting close. Um, <laughs> So just going beyond that, whether it's within the Brotherhood or outside of the Brotherhood, who has impacted your life the most and what impact did they have on your life? Well, I guess I would have to say my parents, obviously. Mm -hmm. uh, my mother, even at this day, day and age, or even at my age, still says, you're, you're too old for me to tell you what to do, but. So I guess that means she's had a, a huge impact on me. The fraternity brothers have had a huge impact on me, who've, who've helped shape my outlook on life. I'm thinking of uh, Todd Falls, a good friend of mine, uh, of Michael Hurst, God rest him, another good friend of mm -hmm. mine, and, and countless others, and if I, 
leaving you out, it's not because I, I, I don't think of you, it's just because I can't name all the names. Absolutely. But they've taught me to be a better person. Of course, and I think that's just part of what we do for each other. And I, and I think it just it, what holds the bond so true, that silver cord that just keeps us. Well, Kaisai means to be a gentleman. A among many things, Kaisai means to be a gentleman. Mm -hmm. And helping each other become gentlemen, remain gentlemen, and correcting when necessary is kind of one of the benefits of Kaisai. Mm -hmm. I feel like going off what you said and, and, and going off your involvement at, in your later years, um, just your several positions that you've held or are currently holding, that's one way to stay involved and that's one way to keep around. But what exactly made you want to stay around after your undergraduate experience? Well, it's interesting. I stayed around with my local uh, Alpha, mm -hmm. with Tau Delta, as secretary of, of their alumni corporation. I had no clue, really, about the... I mean, I knew there was a, a national fraternity and there was a central office. I had no clue about it, though. Um, and then my friend Michael Hurst, that I mentioned a minute ago, uh, he said, well, there's this thing called the Executive Council. And it, it's the board of directors. It runs the fraternity. I said, okay, fine. He said, I think you'd make a great advisory member. Mm -hmm. I said, okay. He said, we're having a meeting at, at Wesleyan in Connecticut. Can you come? So I flew to New York and took a train. I guess it was my first train ride of my life. <laughs> and got to this executive council meeting. And they got to the point of electing members. And instead of being elected to the advisory board, they elected me as a full member of the executive council. And I went, ooh, what am I getting myself into here? Um, so that's, that's how I got involved at the national level. And I quickly do dove in, dived in, dove in, and uh, uh, with both hands, and immersed myself in the work of the council, learning all about it, learning about the whole fraternity system. Uh, and when I rotated off the council, we have term limits, uh, I was asked to be on the trust. And one thing led to another, and um, I have never regretted being involved in the fraternity as a student, as an undergrad, mm -hmm. and I have certainly never regretted uh, being involved in the attorney as an alumnus. Um, it's, it's been one of, if not the most important things in my life. And that's really just great to hear. I, I think it gives great perspective for our current undergraduates who are going through what you've been through and mm -hmm. are experiencing the experiences that you got to have. Yeah. Um, it's a very different world now than when I was an undergrad, but some things never change. And if you're an undergrad student, you're an undergrad student, and you, you face the same fears, the same problems, the same concerns uh, that I did, and, and you get through them. So looking at the fraternity's progress just over these, these past couple decades and your involvement with them um, in, your, in your various roles, what are some really big milestones we've had at the national level that have allowed us to really just extend the reach of our arms into the individual alphas? Um, Quite a few, actually. Uh, I think the biggest milestone that I'm proud of is that executive council meetings went from being three days to one day. That was nice. <laughs> that made me ha very happy. Uh, um, and, and then, of course, the whole communication system these days is different from when I was an undergrad. Certainly. It, we have electronics. You know, when, when, when we had to make an announcement to all the brothers at Alpha Tau Delta, you had to print off uh, notes and put in everyone's mailbox, right? Now you just send a, a group email or whatever. So I think that's been the most important progress is the, the means of communication between the national and the local alphas. I know, of course, not everything is, even in this fraternity, is not about, about money or donations, but they certainly have played a big part, especially um, the generosity of donors like T. T Denny Sanford and, and what he's done for the Brotherhood and so many others just along the way. Um, and I know the trust has grown 
grown significantly these past couple of years. Just talk to me about what it's been like to have to adapt to the, that new level of funding coming in, developing out ABFs and all of these different things. Well, of course, if you're a member of an educational trust and it's got $100 in the bank, you have the same fiduciary obligation to that as if it has $100 million. Uh, obviously, over the past few years, our trust has been very fortunate to grow from a small trust to a medium-sized trust. We're not a huge trust. Um, and, and, but the work is, is still the same. You have the same obligations whether you're working with a million dollars or the same obligation if you're working with $20 million. Um, but obviously with more money, we can do more. We can increase the amount of scholarships or the number of scholarships. We can redo our uh, educational programming. Um, you know, people might get uh, solicitations from the fraternity and think, why should I do this? But they really need to dive into the work that the educational and look into the work that the educational trust does. We do a lot of good work. Mm -hmm. We do good things, and that's what they would be supporting, and and that's what we would appreciate. Um, but like just like the fraternity has improved communications just because times have changed, the trust because it's grown in value has, is able to do more and to do it better. Absolutely, diving deeper into that, um, a big thing. For those of us who weren't here last night at the at the trust center, a big thing that uh, Brother Habit talked about was just how we're expanding and, and putting money into these programs and cer certain goals we have over these next couple of years. How would you summarize what we're looking to do, say, over the next five to ten years, as far as the trust and our programming and the four pillars? Um, well, we're hoping very much to increase it, to increase awareness, and to increase uh, undergraduate participation. That's the if we have these programs; they're nice. But if nobody's using them, you know, what good is it? People are using them, undergrad students are using them, and they report very positive experiences. What we hope to do over the next 10 years is to keep them relevant. The world is changing very fast, mm -hmm. and the undergraduate experience is changing very fast. So what we hope to do is to keep each program up to date and relevant to the undergrad situation at the time. And have you had to really just adapt the approach since the times have been changing? Like at the central level, have you had to really just sit down and think about what the differences are between now versus 10 years ago? Yes, mm -hmm. very much so. Uh, I was in a meeting yesterday when uh, the results of a survey of our, of our undergrad members uh, were released and, and the world hasn't, has changed, not only in the past 10 years, but obviously in the past three to four years, the world before and after COVID, uh, things are different. We have to approach the way we do things differently. Um, we found, I think, fairly quickly that some of our programs do work much better in person than electronically. Sure. And we have found that we need to do everything we can to make sure that we execute those programs in person. Um, and we're, that's what we're doing. I think it's really hard to say what program would be in someone's favor. Like for me, I've talked about a few times in previous episodes about what PSD did for me as an undergraduate. Is there a program not that is necessarily the best in your opinion, but one that you resonate with? Well, actually, all of them have their place. Mm -hmm. um, uh, the PSD is, is amazing. Absolutely. I never did it as an undergrad, so I was an adult when I went through it. Um, and the Alpha Management Retreat is, 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 but these programs, you know, I always have to remind myself, I know things, and, and you, you do this program, and think, oh gosh, everybody knows that, and, but 
the young undergrads don't. They, you know, they're at the point where they're learning. And so uh, all the programs resonate with me. Um, I think in the four pillars, of course, that we're, you know, we're in, uh, rolling that out, that's gonna be an amazing asset to, to mm -hmm. the fraternity. Um, I think one of the most important things that we've done recently, and it's not even really an educational trust program, but we've increased awareness of mental health issues. Um, you know, they've recently rolled out this 988 number. It's an emergency number you call if you, if you or someone you know is in trouble. 988, mental health emergency. Uh, and we, we've now provided access to, to uh, telephone counselors on an emergency basis to our undergrads and to some alumni too. So I think that's, you know, we're not only educating uh, undergrad students about how to run an alpha or, or how to look at their life and take stock of it and move forward. Mm -hmm. But we're very much aware of the issues that they're facing and doing what we can to help them with that. And I think it's so important, and, and I've touched on it a few times um, in previous interviews, but just the importance of mental health. I mean, what would you say that means as far as our, our future goals or things we're looking to roll out for <clears throat> not only the individual alpha level, but at the national level? Well, I think mental health issues are critically important. And I think the pressure, the mental pressure on undergraduate students today is probably much worse than it was when I was an undergrad. And I felt it, you know, quite clearly. Um, anything that we can do, anything that any human being can do to help another human being is, is ideal. And I'm glad to see that Kaisai Fraternity is, is moving in a direction, or has been for a couple of years, to do what it can to help others, to help our undergrad students and to help other people. Of course. We're links in a chain. Um, that was something made very visible to my pledge class and my pledge brothers, and I think just the brotherhood in general, just helping each other. Picking each only, other. We are only as strong as the weakest chain link, right? Absolutely, so. and, I, and I, just a lot of emphasis there. And so I think with a chain and the individual links in, everyone has their strengths and everyone has their weaknesses. It's about how we combine. What would you say some of your strengths are, and then what would you say maybe is a weakness that you dealt with at one time or are currently working through? Uh, I always hate these type of questions. I know, it's, um, it's very broad. My, my, my strengths, uh, I'm fairly intelligent, I'm fairly rational, uh, I can make good decisions, uh, I'm a good listener, I think I'm a good advisor. Maybe not for my own self, but for others. <laughs> sure. Uh, my weakness, well, eating too much, I think that's my biggest weakness. But. Um, uh, I'm shy, actually. I'm a very shy person. Really? I never Believe took you. Or not, I never took I, you a shy. I am. I mean, I go into a room and and think, oh my gosh, I could just go stand in that corner and nobody else see me. But um, yeah, that that's actually been a, a a weak point in my life throughout my life is that I'm basically shy. I think some people, just from the outside looking in, um, obviously you know I've gotten to meet a handful of times now, but I think some people would call that shocking because you are you you have been an attorney, <laughs> and of course a lot a lot of what you see on TV he'll tell you is not real attorney work. Well, but, there's a difference between going into a courtroom mm -hmm. and, and doing your job, of course, or, or having a client come into your office and sign a will, and then going to like a social par event, a party, or something like that where you don't know the people. And like, oh my gosh, uh, it, you know, it's the way it is. So. Closing statements on a court day, social party. What's tougher? Social party. Social party. Okay. Very much so. So we're, we're good. If if I don't know people there, if I'm going to my best friend's house and have dinner, of course the the closing statements are, are tougher. Well, you know you know us now. So at the dinner later, we we can at least all gallop around and <laughs> see everybody. Well, I know you know everyone. I, I 
well, everyone, everyone seems to know me. Uh, I think my job here, as I think every alumnus' job here, mm -hmm. is to get to know as many of the undergrads as we can and to make sure they know us and that they know they can reach out to us for anything at any time. It's a big reason we do this podcast. It's, it's to bridge the gap between alumni and undergraduates and there just to share, share these stories. Yeah, I just think it's great to recognize that in the midst of the challenges in a workplace or in a situation, you can use what you've learned, you can use those skill sets to overcome and to push through. I've, I've always found it how interesting, like humans, how resilient everyone is. I, yes. I learned a lot of that yes. through COVID yes. and, and, and <laughs> yes. just pushing through. And just, I imagine getting that JD, you had to push through a lot going to, going to Tennessee in the Rocky Top. Um, <laughs> did, law school's not easy, I'll put it that way. Did you, you mentioned studying earlier, did you have to really just dive in like even more to, to get a grasp on things? Yes, you, you have to study when you're in law school and it takes a lot of time. Uh, it's probably all different these days with computers that we didn't have back then, but um, uh, you, you have to study and study hard. It's a full-time job. Of course. Um, now, after we talked a little bit about the ADL, so can you explain for those of us who don't know what you did for the ADL and what kind of law you were practicing specifically? Um, my entire career has been, for the most part, has been based on trust in estate law. Mm -hmm. So I, I draft wills and trust, powers of attorney, things like that to help, to help benefit clients. Um, I was working in Atlanta and then moved to New York to work for a nonprofit called Hadassah, uh, which is a, a Jewish organization that operates, among other things, a hospital in Jerusalem and a college in Jerusalem. And I, I ended up doing the opposite end of what I'd always done. So in, in private practice, I wrote wills and trusts and things like that. Working for Hadassah, I took on the probate side of things. So if someone would die and leave us money, I made sure that we got it. And it's pretty much the same thing I did at ADL. Uh, I, I worked in the estate department, making sure the bequests given to us uh, were received. And I also spent a lot of time not speaking, but talking to people about how to put us in their will, how different charitable giving uh, devices that they could use. Um, and if anyone wants to make a plain gift to Kaisai, all they have to do is call me. Uh, but that's what I did there for quite a while. It was a very enjoyable experience, uh, and both Hadassah and ADL are amazing organizations. If you could go back, I know regret's a funny word, if you could go back during your career and just, I know it's one of those baseline questions, but maybe just make a change or do something different or um, correct something. Is there anything in particular that stands up? I would have studied harder in college, maybe. I don't know. No, it's no, there, there are no regrets. Well, of course there are regrets. I'm a human being. But I don't think I would change anything because I like where I am today. I like who Absolutely. I am today. And if you change something in the past, who knows where I would be. Hopefully just as happy, just as content. But even though I have regrets, I wouldn't change anything. It's great to hear. I mean, wrapping us up with these last two, um, just going off, you not wanting to change anything and just looking at your life altogether that we have done through these um, through this interview, what would you say is your greatest fear? Oh, wow. So many, I guess. Uh, <laughs> crocodiles. Alligators. <laughs> I don't like them. <laughs> there was a lake near my hometown that I used to go swimming at right this summer, and, and they found an alligator, and so apparently they're moving north. And they said, don't worry, it was just somebody released an alligator. I'm like, I don't know about that. I'd never go back there again. Um, my greatest fear at the moment uh, as the incoming executive director is that I will do something to hurt the fraternity. Do no harm, right? The first doctor's rule. Uh, and, I, and even more than that, my greatest fear is that I'll do something that will 
hurt someone or, or prevent them from doing something. I just want to help people. I want to, I want to help my brothers, I want to help people, and I want to build people up. And I guess my greatest fear is that I would do something to tear someone down, because that's certainly not who I am. I think it's a healthy fear to have, and I think fears are what makes us who we are. And we've gotten to learn a lot about who you are today. Brother Arnwan, thank you for sitting down. Thank you so today. much. I appreciate it. I do it. have a closing question for you. Of course. If you had to listen, if you couldn't listen to either music or you couldn't watch TV anymore, television, what would you do? And we're going to throw in streaming and everything else too. So no like TV watching or no music listening. Which one do you take? Gosh, that's hard. Well, could, could listening to music on the iPhone count? Yes, uh, it, it's not, it's not through, it can be on the iPhone. Music. I mean, I don't want to give either one up. I enjoy TV, I enjoy music, but I, it would be music. Well, I think honestly, I'm, I, I think I could live without TV. I'm just not sure I could live without music. I, it, it's so tough, but it's a toss-up. So. There you go. But again, thank you so much for sitting down with us. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank Absolutely. you. This has All been right. another episode of the 181st Convention in Lubbock. We thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you soon. Thank you.